0: Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. I wish we understood how clearly to the rest of the world um, there is a difference in us when, when Jesus is alive in us. And we are, we are kind of pivoting this Sunday, this post-resurrection uh, Sunday, and, and really changing the direction and the emphasis of the church. Um, kind of like an athlete plants their foot down and, and, you know, is pivoting to the other side of the field. That's what we're doing towards uh, living as witnesses of the resurrection. Um, our roadmap for 2017 has been to become a house of prayer. And by house, we don't mean, you know, this... Um, But Jesus, when he went to the temple, um, was disappointed with what all the religious people were doing. Instead of seeking his face and praying, uh, they had a lot of other activity that had nothing to do with with surrender. And so we are going to be a a community of prayer, and and that's just, everything moves forward by prayer. Um, You guys did a great job the week before Easter of coming together, and we had an amazing prayer meeting. Well, guys, we are going to be doing that every Wednesday night. And, uh, and to do the hard work of praying for, uh, for people who don't yet know Jesus second thing we had to do for our 2017 roadmap was to get our, our financial base in, in order I shared with you that we were way behind where we started we we started this whole project um, you know 19 years ago uh, the, the giving of the church then was 2.4 times the national average and um, where we were just uh, a couple of months ago was way, way below the national average. Well, that isn't faith. That isn't acceptable, um, and it's certainly not believing big. You guys have responded amazingly well, and um, and and it's making a difference. The tithing issue is not a tithing issue. It's a lordship issue, and when Jesus is Lord, honestly, tithing is easy. It just is. And the third. Uh, part of our roadmap was to to reach 300 disciples, 300 new disciples in a year. Now, a lot of churches won't set goals, Um, and and I just know in my own spiritual life, when I don't set goals, I don't do much. Anybody else with me? Come on. I mean, I'm I'm no great athlete, but, like, when I set a goal, like, I'm going to do a solo century, um, and, uh, okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, six weeks to train hard, eight weeks to train hard for that one, uh, and then I'm going to do uh, a by-myself hard 100-mile bike ride. Turned out to be 103 degrees that day. Um, a bit of a challenge, but I did it because I set a goal. Um, you know, had another goal, you know, the 150-mile ride, you know, a couple of days uh, over the hills. That was great. Um, but when I don't set a goal, I do nothing. And churches do that. When we don't set goals and hold ourselves accountable you know, when you don't set a goal, that's the good thing about it. You don't have to hold yourself accountable. Like even losing weight, you know, if you're just happy where you are, you can just kind of watch it grow. But if you if you set yourself a goal, you know, then you got to kind of watch it when it's like, you know, do I want that second bowl of ice cream? Nah. So that's the spirit of, of 300. And 300 is a beginning goal. You guys have given me the great gift of being your shepherd. And... um Jesus is the over-shepherd, I'm just the under-shepherd for a little while, but my job is to present you as the bride of Christ, to present you holy and pure and blameless in his sight. And I'm not going to, to present you to Jesus with, um, without having done my job. 300 is really kind of a pathetically small goal. When you think about uh, a church with, with 900 adults and and a uh, uh, hundred to two hundred children who are old enough to share Jesus, and yes, children do share Jesus. So so think about it, you know, um, to say one third of the church is going to win one person a year to Jesus, that's not a very big goal. We have six hundred some Southern Baptist churches in the uh, Maryland Delaware Convention. Last year we baptized twelve hundred people. I'm not a great mathematician. But I think 1,200 and 600 and you do the division and you get two. There's over 3 million people in this region. Um, 3.5 million people. And we won 1,200 to Christ? That's more than pathetic. It's inexcusable. It's taking our eyes off of the prize. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ not being very real to us, not very, being very motivating. It is, it is living Um, culturally, um, you know, overwhelmed in the fog instead of living alive in the power of the Word of God. This is where we're going. And what we see in the Bible is what we're going to work to live in our lives. Amen? So, we're making a shift. We're making um, a a pivot. And, And my goal is that every one of you who is a disciple of Jesus, that you would so love Jesus and, and be a witness of his resurrection that you would lead at least one and 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 preferably four or five, but at least one person a year to Jesus. We'd be baptizing over a thousand new disciples. Guys, I am I am not going to um, to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I really didn't think you had the ability to do all those things you said in the scripture. And, uh, and I really didn't want to, you know, challenge the church. Uh, they had jobs. Uh, they were raising kids, Jesus. And, and, and there was, like, people were politically divided, and the, the, Jesus' life was going on. So in case you didn't know that, Jesus' life was going on, so that's why we didn't do your will. We're not saying that, all right? We're just going to do God's will. So that you know what the Church of Seven Run is about, we have one purpose, and that is to reach as many people as possible. Um, Now, we're going to do some stuff in the future. You're going to say, why are you doing that? And the answer is to reach as many people as possible. You guys are not doing well today. I'm loving you, and you're great for being here, 1230. You rock, but you got to work with me. We're going to do some stuff, and and, and somebody's going to say, why are they doing that? And you're going to look at them and say, they're doing that too. It's exactly right. And so until heaven is as full as possible and hell is as empty as possible, until Jesus returns, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to it's all about revelation, helping people see what they haven't seen. We're going to reach as many people as possible by creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son, in the power of the Spirit. This cannot be a human-driven endeavor. This has to be anointed by God. Uh, the church revived, the church empowered, uh, the church doing what human beings can't do. This, this is a very Trinitarian view of, of, um, of, of the wholeness of a church. We're a church that lives under two commands. You know, we don't have you sign 3,000 different uh, documents. Um, but what we're a church that's, that's not alive under legalism. We are driven by two commands. And that is the command that Jesus gave us that is about keeping the main thing the main thing. And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of it, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the reality is that like the two planes of the cross, when we are loving God uh, with everything we've got, um, you can't possibly have room for being critical towards people or, or anything else. When, when you are loving God with all that you've got and are consumed by the, the love of God, then then the horizontal plane is going to take, take hold and you're going to love your neighbors yourself. You're going to love your husband in a new way, your wife in a new way. You're going to find a new patience for your kids. You're going to find that people who didn't matter to you now do. And, and you're even going to look in the mirror and find a new grace uh, for that person that you see staring back at you. You're going to see them as a special creation of God. This is the commands. Um, we are driven by three priorities. You know, what's important around here? Well, it's to love well. And so when you're thinking, you know, you know, I, I'm busy, I'm working, my, my friend is having surgery, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. Well, wait a minute, what does it mean to love well? <laughs> my child, I've got a business trip, um, but, but, you know, they're only going to have one, you know, 16th birthday, one 8th birthday, one 10th, you know, what What does it mean to love my child well? Well, loving well is a priority, it's what takes priority. And to live Jesus. We don't want to just talk Jesus. We don't want to do religion. We want to do Christ incarnate. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27 says. And so we, we want to seek to, to live Jesus and to believe big. God is infinite in every direction. He's not a small God. And He's big enough to, to beat death. He's big enough to, to do the impossible. In Ephesians 3.20 and 21, the scripture says, Now to Him who is able... Look at your neighbor and just remind them God is able. Are You kind of quiet if you missed a neighbor on the other side or if you're sitting by yourself like here at the front. Make sure somebody turns around or you turn around and remind them, right? now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. However big your imagination is, And God gave us in His own image an incredible imagination, however big your imagination is about how God could redeem a broken world, uh, what God could do in a broken family, what God could do in your own broken heart, He is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or all you could imagine. So we're going to spend a lot of time in prayer in the days to come, and, and here's the truth, no matter what we pray, God was able to do more. This is the word of God. This is what the Scripture says, and to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. The Scripture says, so we are going to live believing big, and we're going to make disciples. Our fourth, um, you know, our our fourth movement in, in the life of the Church of Seven Run is to live four passions, to worship, enjoying God as a center of life, uh, to to connect, uh, you know, doing life together as friends on mission. Um, to to serve. Jesus has looked out for our own interests, so now we're free. We're free of ourselves. Uh, you don't have to live your life worrying about you. You give you to Jesus, Jesus will take care of you, and now Jesus is going to live inside of you and send you uh, to, to be him to the world. It's a great thing to be free of yourselves. Some of us are so painfully self-conscious and self-aware, uh, you know, and some are extroverts, some are introverts. I get that, but just give yourself to Jesus, and he'll take care of you. And now you're free to live for the interest of, of, of him in others. And then lastly is, is kind of the, the, the end point of it all. It is to share. And that is to help other people find and follow Jesus. Um, and these are the four wheels on a car. Without all four wheels, the car don't go. Any of y'all ever seen a car up on blocks? That is the church in the 21st century for the most part. Um, you know, we we don't live alive in worship. We are we are we are lonely. Um, we're waiting for other people to serve us, and mad that they haven't. And uh, and we're not sharing Jesus at all. It's impossible to only win twelve hundred people in a, in an area of three million by six hundred churches, and and you're doing anything right. We're not. We are not. But we're going to change. We're going to ask God to send revival. We're going to ask God to do new things and we're going to ask God to do things that we can't do ourselves, that we can't explain and you're going to get to see in the years to come people's lives changed. It's not going to be me that's doing it. It's going to be Christ in you doing it and some of those lives changed are going to be right here. You're going to see some people give their lives to Jesus here and it's going to be awesome but it's going to be even more, to make up a word, awesomer when you are leading your co-workers, your family members, your cousins, to Jesus. And you're seeing them joyfully come alive in Christ. Man, there is nothing like holding a newborn baby. It's one of the greatest joys in life, and I'm telling you, rivaling that is leading somebody else to Jesus. When you lead somebody else to, 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 from death to life, um, and they come alive in Jesus, there is no greater experience or feeling in the world, I promise you. And you're going to see that in the years to come if we obey God. So I want to share with you, this is what more normal biblical Christianity looks like. What we, what we have in, in the modern church is not normal biblical stuff. This looks odd to us. And it looks odd to us because we're dead and this is alive. But the reality is, there was never any bait and switch with Jesus, we tell people, well, just pray a prayer and you got your hell insurance and you're okay. No, it's deeper than that. To, to really embrace Jesus means that there's a repentance in your heart and life. There's a turning away from brokenness and ugliness and sin and self-sufficiency and control. There's a recognition that I'm not right. There's a, there's a draw towards the, 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 the Lord who made you. There's this turning away from from your, your own um, will and way and, and there's this yielding to the, to the will of God and the kingdom of God. And some people will hear the gospel and, and it'll mean nothing to them. Other people hear the gospel and they're kind of moved a little bit. But the real disciple is somebody who, who hears this love of, of God and it resonates with the brokenness in their life and they may fight back and forth but eventually there's this decision to yield and bend the knee to Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. There's this sense that I am in the presence of an almighty power and I am not going to go up against that. I'm going to yield and and go with it. And that is repentance. In Matthew 4.17, the scripture tells us that when Jesus began his message, he simply preached this. Repent, for the kingdom of of heaven is near. (laughs) That's biblical Christianity. Not... um, you know, uh, pray uh, a a magical prayer and then God will give you stuff. God will make your life easy. Um, Not Here's six steps to using God as a genie in the bottle so that you can get what you want as a a modern American consumer. Jesus never did a bait and switch. He told us, if you come to me, I'm going to make you a disciple who's a fisher of men and I'm going to give you a cross and on the other side of that cross, you're going to live a resurrection. Mark 117, Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, you can't keep your life. If you follow me, you can't keep walking in control your own way. If you follow me, I'm going to repurpose your whole life. So know what's ahead, and if you don't want to, if you want to do that, then don't go there. Don't, don't even pretend to have given me your life. So so Jesus was pretty clear about what he was about and about how high cost it was. And from the beginning, he began to tell people about the suffering that he was going to experience and his death and his resurrection. But, But I just want to say, guys, that we are all witnesses of the resurrection, his resurrection and ours, every one of us. You know, we're, we're all witnesses. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, the way you believed is that you saw the truth of Jesus' resurrection and then you experienced it. You let it happen to you. And, and, and you know, to go from being dead to being alive, would, how many of y'all would agree would be a pretty unforgettable experience? Like, you were dead, now you're alive, and that's like, woohoo! hoo so, so you died in the morning, and then you're in the funeral home in the afternoon, right? And the funeral director, you know, everybody's out there picking out nice stuff for you, um, which isn't really needed, but you're picking out nice stuff for you. And then, and then suddenly, right before, you know, they get ready to, to put you in, you come alive again. How many of y'all would go home and, like, write something on Facebook about that? <laughs> Anybody tweet it, you know? Oh, by the way, hey, got a new pair of shoes. Oh, by the way, I was dead this morning. I died big time, massive, massive coronary, but came back to life, and, and I'm well, and so I just thought I'd mention that. It's, it's top of the news, right? That, you don't bury the lead, that's, that's everything. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. We are in a dying world. We are in a world in which death wins. Um, it wins on a, a short-term scale. Our little lives, no matter how well we love or, or live or fight to stay healthy, eventually uh, death is going to win. Even our planet in the long term, it's going to die. Even, even scientists tell us that, that when the sun uh, you know, changes its volume by somewhere between 10 and 20%, earth's gone. It's just, it's just history. And so we live in a dying world. And among the dead, Jesus says, You were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. How did we come back from the dead? We got resurrected. Jesus made us alive. The the Father who created life and created us for relationship uh, sent His Son into the world to beat death, and, and then He rose, and we believed, and we rose with Him. That's what we saw in baptism. Seven people baptized today. No, I'm sorry, nine people baptized, right? Yeah, it was nine people baptized. Amazing. A picture of death rising to new life. So, so, guys, here's the deal. Um, we're all witnesses of the resurrection. If you believe in Jesus, then, then there's a before and after. There was a dead time in your life, and now there's an alive time. There's a time um, in which you were hopeless, and now there's a time where you have hope. There was a time where you were in charge and, and just, you know, driving the car into, into the tree, and now Jesus is in control, and he's leading you home. As I believe with all my heart that the resurrection is the pivot point of human history. And I believe somehow we have allowed the resurrection to slip from our minds and, and, and we are so distracted and focused on so many other things. I want to draw you back from this time forward to live post-Easter lives. That the resurrection is a reality and that you realize I am a witness to the resurrection. By faith, I was there. By faith, I've seen it happen in my own life. In fact, I really believe that, that um, you know, when you've seen the resurrection, it's, it's impossible not to, to share it. In fact, the only way to live not making disciples uh, in the footsteps of a Savior who said, go make disciples. The only way you can live not making disciples is not to be one. I mean, if you and I can live our whole lives and be about other stuff and, and never be captured by the resurrection and never be captured by the mission of Jesus and never be captured by the, the, the sent love of God, if we can do that, then, then we're doing that as pre-resurrection people, because once you've experienced the resurrection, you're all about it. You're all in. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 18 through 20, go and make disciples. We're going to unpack that a lot in the days to come. But the simple reality is that nobody who's ever experienced the resurrection was quiet about it. In, in uh, John 20, 18, Mary Magdalene, you know, she, she goes to the tomb and then she comes back, uh, and the Scripture says she went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. Well, yeah. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene going to the empty tomb and then going home and, and um, catching up, helping the kids do homework? Can you imagine her, you know, worrying about, uh, you know, the clothes she was, you know, the, you know, shopping for next week? No. Guys, I've seen the Lord. It's real. It's true. And and the simple reality is that in modern Christianity, we have gotten so far away from from the New Testament and from the norms of Scripture that it's just not normal anymore, that that we're the frog in the kettle. Again, 600 churches leading 1,200 people to Jesus. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Guys, I, I'm going to tell you this more in a few weeks, but, but I'm going to tell you, I was a completely lost kid. I had two adults at home, but I had no parents. I, I was that kid in school that, that, you know, I didn't cause any trouble or anything else, but, but there wasn't anybody caring in any direction about anything and all I had was Jesus. And if it wasn't for the courage of some people who dared to believe Jesus and, and who were willing to tell the story of what God had done in their lives, then I don't know where I would be. Guys, I'm telling you that, that, that we have got to get back to the Scriptures. Either we believe that Jesus is the pivot point of history, that actually one human being actually came back from the dead and now offers eternal life to everyone. Either we believe that or we don't. But we can't sit here lukewarm in the modern church anymore and say this is okay. 600 churches reaching 1,200 people, are you kidding me? Most of us here as believers never having led anybody to Jesus, are you kidding me? I know it can be done I know revival can happen. I I grew up in a church, one church that baptized more than all 600 churches baptized last year in our convention, one church. And it wasn't because of the pastor, it was because, because the disciples just believed and they shared Jesus everywhere. Guys, even atheists know we should be believing our own gospel. Even atheists know that 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 if you're a real disciple, you're going to make disciples. That's that's just what you got to do. I want you to listen to what Pen, a pen and teller, has to say, and I want you to listen really, really carefully for what this atheist has to say about believing in eternal life. Take a listen. I want to
1: talk to you about this. Uh I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, uh, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it and I wanted it. and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff, no reason to go into it, but he said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New... Just part of the New Testament. A little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of... Uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes, and he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind, and nice, and sane, and looked me in the eyes, and talked to me, and then gave me this Bible. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually this guy was a really good guy he was polite and honest and sane and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a a Bible which had written in it a little note to me Uh, not very personal but just you know like to show and so on and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch now I know there's no God and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that, Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man, and uh, that's really important, and with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book.
0: That's an atheist. Who is, who is more, uh, who gets it more than the, than the modern church? How much would you have to hate somebody if you believe eternal life's possible not to tell them, oh my gosh, you're afraid that they might look at you funny? You know, you're afraid that, that they might raise an eyebrow? Oh no, I'll wither like the wicked witch of the West with a bucket of water if you look at me funny for mentioning Jesus. Oh no. Are you kidding me? Jesus took the nails and he, and he took a beating and He showed courage in His life and, and yet you and I shrink back in this, this modern world. And, and again, His analogy of somebody about to get hit by a truck or a bus. Um, excuse me, excuse me, I don't want to bother you. Excuse me, smash! Oh, what is that, love? Did you hear what He said at a certain point? I'm going to tackle you. I, I, guys, I'm telling you that... That we are all witnesses of the resurrection of His and ours. If we have, if we are real, if we are real disciples, and the reality may be maybe some of us are not. Just because you prayed some prayer doesn't make you a disciple. Now, again, please don't understand. I'm not downplaying an inter- introductory prayer, but what I'm saying is that repentance is is bigger than than just just a what you might think as a kind of a you know controlling, minimalistic prayer. Well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get my, my life insurance card. No, it's bigger than that. It's the giving of your whole life. It's the beginning of birth. And, and then it's a, it's a life of growth. And, and to be a disciple means the resurrection is real to you. You were dead and now you're alive. You were drunk and now you're sober. You were living for sex and now you're living for relationships. You were living for yourself, and now you're living for Jesus. You were hopeless, and now you are filled by the God of hope. You were empty, and now you're full of the Spirit of of God. We are all witnesses of the resurrection if we are disciples. We have to tell other people what we've seen. So you say, well, I, I, I don't have much of a story to tell, or I don't know how to share Jesus. Well, Please understand, in the days to come, there's going to be a variety of ways in which we're going to train you. We're going to show you. Okay? So that's coming. Do do not worry about that. That's going to come. But here's what I want to say to to, to that Uh, you know, you lead with your your heart and not your head. And the truth is that that people who've been exposed to the gospel um, for weeks and months and years, for them to say, I don't know enough to share, that's just from hell. Because you do. In in uh, in um, Luke eight thirty nine, there's a story of uh, a guy who's called the Gathering Demoniac. It's just this this man whose life was literally like dead twice over. He was um, filled with with evil and ugly and and rage and hopelessness and despair. Um, he you know could not be bound with chains. He was in agony. He was alone. Uh, He was running around naked among the tombs, and, and then he meets Jesus. Jesus takes this dead man, speaks a word of authority, and the man is free. The man has maybe two hours with Jesus, maybe not even two hours. It may have just been one. We don't know. A short period of time. And then the guy says this. He says, hey, Jesus, let me come and follow you. Now, you know, what we think is, is that, you know, you just got to learn more and 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 more. And then eventually, you know, we have this idea that, well, if I can debate Albert Einstein, then I can share Jesus. No. Jesus said, all you in-control adults got to change and become like little children. And so here's what Jesus does with this guy. The guy says, Jesus, can I come and follow you? Now, remember... Remember the context. There is no Bible, no New Testament. Uh, Paul's not going to be writing his first letters until 80, maybe 63, 64. It's going to be 30 years from now before a word of Scripture is written. Nobody's handing him the Bible. Aren't any churches around there? Because there aren't any believers around there. <laughs> this guy's got, got he's got a life changed by Jesus. And Jesus says to him, no, you can't come with me. I want you to go and tell what great things God has done for you. And so for once in the Bible, it doesn't happen very often, but once in the Bible, this guy just goes and tells other people what great things God has done for him. Doesn't have all the answers. Doesn't have it all figured out. uh, Isn't qualified. Doesn't have degrees. Nobody called the man Rev. Uh, This guy just went and lived as a witness to his own resurrection. I was dead and now I'm alive. This is what God has done for me. And people came to know Christ through him. We're all witnesses of the resurrection, of his and ours. And the truth is, if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have a death-to-life story. And maybe you've forgotten it. Again, like that ridiculous story of the guy dying in the morning and And uh, coming back to life in the afternoon and forgetting it by the evening. That's kind of where some of us are. But if you're a disciple, you have a death-to-life story. You were dead, and now you're alive. Never forget it. And never forget it, not just for yourself, but all those people around you who are still dead. We live in a death-ridden world, and there are people hurting and hopeless. There are people who are literally contemplating taking their lives around you. And you and I are too embarrassed to share Jesus. Guys, we've got to change. We've got to pray for revival to come. We've got to pray for a new movement of God. However long we have until Jesus, um, you know, the, the clouds are split and the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns again, however long we have between then and now, we've got to change. And we've got to move. And we've got to decide if we believe, and if we do believe, then, then it all it all is launched by the power of the resurrection. And Jesus has done something amazing in offering eternal life to a death-ridden world. Only one came back, but he's offering this eternal life to everybody, and it starts now. You have a story to tell. So even before you quote, know everything or have all the answers, you never will, I don't. Guys, how about just just telling somebody what great things God has done for you? How about asking this question to somebody? Hey, has anybody shared with you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus? Nobody had with me. Nobody had with my whole family for, for, for 15 years. Nobody shared with my family, hey, do you know how to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, what's that? In Acts 1.22... When the disciples were, were still grieving Judas's betrayal and his loss and they were choosing somebody, there was one thing that was the hallmark of this person who would join them on mission for the rest of their lives. This person, the scripture says in verse 22, had to be with us a witness of the resurrection. He don't have to have everything else together. He, don't, he doesn't have to have any other qualification, but he has to know that the resurrection of Jesus was real, and and that everything we're doing was launched from that. We're all witnesses of the resurrection if, if we're disciples. And if we're not a witness to that resurrection, then we are not disciples. I'm asking for you to follow me into a new era of 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 following Jesus. And we're gonna pray and uh, and we're gonna do the hard work of prayer and I'm gonna ask you to to join us on, on some Wednesday nights. I'm not just trying to fill another night of your week. I'm very, very, you know, your time is precious, but I'm just telling you until we do the work of prayer, the power of God's not gonna fall on the church. We gotta pray. I'm asking you, to follow me. You guys, here's the deal. I'm, I'm so grateful I get to be the pastor of the Church of Seven Run. This is an amazing church. But if I was a pastor of a church this size and it was a hard-headed, hard-hearted, controlling church and they didn't want to radically shift and, 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 and go reach hundreds of people for Jesus, I'd leave and go to a church of 10 that did. And for whatever time I have left on earth, Give my life away telling people about Jesus, being the answer in a broken world, living as a witness of this marvelous, amazing resurrection story, His and mine. Will you follow me? Will you pray? Will you rethink your own death-to-life story? Will you repent and be broken whole by love? The invitation today is just really, is just pretty simple. It's just, it is just to surrender. And if you have any hunger for this biblical vision, then I'm gonna ask you to, to hit a knee and, in these moments if you can't kneel that's okay but I'm going to ask us to pray and seek the Father's face and, and, and beg God for revival for awakening for a movement of His Spirit so that we can be a part of men and women and boys and girls coming to know Jesus in an amazing astonishing way in our generation in our time will you join me Will you follow? Will you pray? Let's take a deep breath. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.